Welcome to the Boss Lady Podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur climbing the corporate ladder or a work-from-home parent, you are a boss. If you desire to make your life extraordinary, to reach and exceed your personal and professional goals, and learn from other strong leaders, then the Boss Lady Podcast is for you. As an entrepreneur, mother, wife, and former CEO, I share lessons and stories of both personal and professional successes and failures. Join me along with a diverse list of guests as we break down strategies, tools, and techniques that will enhance your career and your life. Together, we will embrace, empower, and educate each other. I am Teresa Rand, and this is the Boss Lady Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Boss Lady Community, or the Boss Lady Podcast. I have a community that we'll talk about, but I am Teresa Rand. You just heard in the bio what we do. You can find me at TeresaRandConsulting.com to find out all about the Boss Lady community, the podcast, the consulting work I do, a big conference I have coming up, a women's leadership conference that will be held here on the beach in Daytona Beach, Florida. It's September 14th, 15th. So all of that stuff you can find at TeresaRandConsulting.com. And that's the only commercial I'll do. I don't like to waste a lot of time doing commercials because I have such fascinating guests on the podcast that I want you as the listener to get an opportunity to hear from them and all of their various forms of wisdom and entrepreneurship. Specifically today, our guest is an entrepreneur. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce her so we can jump right into a conversation. Alicia is my guest. Jabbar? Jabbar, I should have asked that. Okay, I should have asked for the pronunciation before we started, but is a coach and facilitator who's designed and delivered more than 100 women's leadership programs to more than 25 organizations and the public. She has an unconventional approach, and this is what excited me about meeting with Alicia and chatting with her. She has an unconventional approach to women's leadership, acknowledging the impacts of systematic oppression in the design and delivery of programs. She is on a mission to bolster gender equality in leadership, gender equity in leadership, better word. She also facilitates the Interpersonal Dynamics course, Touchy Feeling, and we'll talk about that, offered at the Stanford Graduate School of Business. Before coaching and consulting, she built a career at high-growth data technology companies, leading teams across both product management and partnerships. Some of her top-tier technology clients included Facebook, Google, Pinterest, Twitter, Yahoo, and Amazon. She was part of the original initial team at DataLogix that sold to Oracle in 2015 at a 33-time return to investment. That was a nice place to be. It was. It was a very good yeah, place. It's so, so welcome. Thank you for being here. And Thank for my for leaders, our listeners out there, if you are a returning listener, thank you so much because I know time is a commodity that we all, none of us seem to have enough of. So I appreciate you tuning in every week or every other week when the podcast comes out and listening to the great guests that I have. And today will be no different as we talk to Alicia. And then if you are a brand new listener, thank you for being here. And I hope you get a lot out of today's um podcast and that you'll go back and look at some others with interesting titles that might appeal to you. But with that, let's start talking to Alicia. 
You know, Alicia, when you sent me your one sheet or you know, anytime somebody's passionate about women's equality or women's equity or striving to get ahead in a man's world and you know, so on, those are buzzwords for me because that's what I am passionate about. So that always catches my attention. And then of course you're great, you know, what you, the work you do at Stanford and the work you've done previously. But one of the things that struck me on the information you sent me is you have a su suggested topic called conventional leadership and why it doesn't work for women. So can you define to us your definition of convention conventional leadership? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh, and one I pose to groups of women a lot, like what comes to mind when you think about yeah. conventional leadership? And it's a lot of um, hierarchical it's a lot of older white men. If we think yeah. about most of the environments that we work in, they were designed for and by people who don't look like a lot of women. Right. Um, and so there is a very specific set of expectations on what being a good leader looks like. And for a lot of the women that I work with, what is modeled or what they see predominantly the leadership they see predominantly in higher ranks doesn't suit them or it doesn't fit them. Right. There's not a lot of, oh, I want to be just like that as you kind of grow in your career and get higher and higher to the upper echelon of corporate hierarchies. Yeah, absolutely. And I know in my career, which was a male-dominated industry, at least at the upper level in the C-suite, if you will, was majority men, even though there were more females in the organization, they weren't mm -hmm. in the top spots. But I remember, you know, in I've been, I've worked for 30 years and I've been re retired and in my new business, I, I say I need to quit saying retired because I'm working harder than ever, but I love it And for the last five years. So I've been in the workforce 35 years, but years ago as a female, we actually tried to act like the men that were in charge. We learn, and I, I joke about it, but it's not a joke. We learned to drink, smoke, cuss, and wear suits with big old shoulder pads. <laughs> You know, so my mom's advice to me, she was a longtime career uh, woman back in the 70s, you know, 60s and 70s. But she always told me to keep a jacket. Don't ever go into a meeting without a jacket on because you're probably going to be the only female in the room and you don't want to stand out. Thankfully, we don't give that particular advice anymore, but right. it was important. You, you didn't want to stand out any more than you already did. So that conventional leadership, because we look up at the people that we want, we want their jobs. And then how do we learn as women to get those jobs without acting like that? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but right. yeah. guessing you're saying we can be ourselves and still aspire to those positions. Yeah. Over yeah. time, I've found two things. One, some people do just model what they see um, right. and, you know, in small small instances that works. It doesn't feel like a grind to an individual woman. There's a bias aspect where even the same tactics may not lead to the same results. That's kind of a, a different conversation. But oftentimes I hear it comes at a huge cost because mm -hmm. of how much effort is required to kind of move outside of how you would normally move. Exactly. Right. And then the second piece is I think that a lot of what is expected and what women could model by what is well-represented actually goes against a lot of our social conditioning. So even if we want to, it feels so wrong in the doing it 
that mm-hmm. it almost becomes a crisis of conscious. So like you mentioned, it doesn't mean that it's wrong, but what I do when I work with women is really help them understand how were you conditioned in terms of what's appropriate for you as a woman? Where is that coming right. into conflict of what, with what's expected? And yeah. raising consciousness a little bit so women can decide which of that social conditioning they want to honor and feels true to them and which they want to start breaking and you know, shifting how they show up as they grow to more senior levels in their career. And then two, I mean, we bring our own strengths to the table. A hundred percent. You know, I tell people all the time, I'm a very staunch feminist, but that doesn't mean I think it should be all women in the C-suite, although I don't really have a problem with that. But I think we male, female, we all bring different things to the table. So we should be proud of the differences that we have in yeah. how we how we do things and not shy away from those. Would that be kind of a correct assumption or something you can elaborate on? From my perspective, absolutely. And most of the women I work with want to see organizations operating differently than they have for history. Like we're right. in a moment of change where people want to see different things. And if absolutely. we as women are not allowed to bring, are not inspired, feel powerful and bringing some of those differences forward, we're not going to shift the nature of organizations. Yeah. I just perpetuate status quo. So one of the questions in your suggested interview questions that struck me is, is, is what changes can women make about the patriarchy that is embedded in conventional leadership practices? Yeah, this goes back to some of what I was saying around social conditioning. So anytime we're part of a dominant system, that system is what we swim in. And it is also what is inside of us. Like we operate in the system. So all of my programs have a component called unlearning, which is really that critical lens of the social conditions. In what ways are we perpetuating patriarchal thinking by adhering to behaviors that actually are not any thoughts of our own besides they've been so perpetuated and so instilled in us, we think that's who we are. You know, I have to laugh because before we started recording, it's been a crazy day here for me. My car broke down. And listening to you talk about how we're socialized, the first thing I did was call my husband. Like, I couldn't, and, and I've only been married this time, eight years. I was single for 20 years. I didn't call my husband when my car broke down. But now that I have one, <laughs> I called him and, I, and he didn't answer. He's working. And I was like, okay, well, you can call the mechanic. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm very capable of taking care of this. And I did. I spent two hours out of my day this morning dealing with the mechanic, getting my car fixed. And I, I called him and said, hey, I went and got this done and I'm finished. But that is, it just hit me as you were saying that. Because my dad always fixed the cars. My mom didn't take the cars to the shop or change the oil or my dad did. That was right. a, I grew up that way. And, it, and it's different to determine, is it that in that moment you didn't feel capable? Right. That's kind of internalized patriarchy. Or, you know, there's a totally valid choice to say, I'm capable, but this isn't how I'm going to spend my time. I'm going to call my husband. <laughs> well, there's a lot of that. <laughs> But when it comes to that, like, is it a feeling of capability or possibility for you? Oftentimes that's internalized and not really representative of reality at all. 
Exactly. Yeah. So, but we, we react in the moment to how we're socialized to react. Right. I'll give you like a a concrete example. Um, I was just facilitating a group of women last night and this, um, you know, a lot of people are navigating uncertainty with our leadership. Um, Right. And it is a real shift for women between navigating in situations where you actually do know an answer. You're navigating to someplace that's clear, that's relatively certain. You're bringing people along versus in more senior levels, there is no certainty. You're making up the risk. You're determining what to do. And a lot of women are conditioned to evaluate success by how happy and calm and taken care of everyone is around you. And that gets harder and harder to do in more senior levels of leadership. That can no longer be your barometer, but we're conditioned to have that be the barometer of our success. Right. That, I don't think I've ever heard it put that way. And that is so true. You know, there's a book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And that's so true because if you graduate from managing a small team of five as a manager and then you become a, a, a executive managing a team of 100, you, you can't physically make sure all those people are touched and felt and appreciated. You've got to understand the different levels and how your leadership can set culture so yeah. that those direct reports can funnel it down. But that's something that's not taught, or at least it wasn't in my career. You were just expected to figure that stuff out. Right. And that tension of those transition moments, I I assert, based on kind of women that I've worked with, it's harder for women because of some of that conditioning. Right. Absolutely. Inflection points are hard for every gender at every level of leadership, but the more senior you get, the less women are able to satisfy what's been expected of us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's that's fascinating to me. So knowing that a lot of us, the majority of us, are in this type of system, if yeah. we're working in corporate America, how do we step into our own personalized leadership style without jeopardizing our chances for promotion or career advancement? Yeah, um, that you're added without jeopardizing is a very important point. Yeah. Um, and um, I think it's doing a little bit of that critical thinking around what is really me and kind of what is what I've been told should be me. Right. Um, you know, as you're growing in your career. And then once you have a little bit of discernment, getting quiet and being in conversation with, okay, what would I like? Full permission, what would I want to do? How would I want to operate in this situation? And running experiments while also acknowledging the risk tolerance of your own situation. You know, yeah. risk for somebody else and that sacrificing um, looks different depending on who you are and, and your lived yeah. experience. Um, but starting to run experiments. Yeah. I'm doing a very large interview series right now with women, senior senior women around these topics And one of the themes that's emerging, I'm about 30 interviews in, is having a point in their career where they were given full rope. You know, Mm -hmm. they were really entrusted and those moments led them to really become a little bit more bold and honoring of the way they'd want to do things. And with that, it, it unlocked something that they had been keeping down. Oh, I love that. I remember once in my career when I had risen up to vice president level 
And the CEO asked me, at the time we had 17 locations. I worked for the YMCA for 30 years in this particular association with 17 different YMCAs throughout the community. And he wanted me to go to the 10 largest, spend a week at each one, interviewing all the employees and learning what the individual culture was at each organization, at each association or each branch, and then put together an entire presentation that I then gave to the leadership team. And that was a pivotal point in my career because he trusted me to go out and see what I saw, talk to people, and then deliver that to the entire team of, of executives. And I remember feeling very empowered by him giving me that um, authority, if you will. It's probably a poor choice of words, but that that rope to go out there and and he would counter. I don't know about that. I don't know about it, which was fine. But it really was a pivotal point for me that I felt that my role was important and that I had things to give and to offer to the peers around me. So, and that was given to me by a man who happened to, you know, he promoted women. I was fortunate to work for someone like that. Um, But I think we have to stop and recognize when that happens and take full advantage of it, you know, and knowing how to do that, to take advantage of those opportunities. And there's there's also an element of trusting your own instincts. Which I think the world is noisy. I remember a point in my career, I had built my company's relationship with Facebook, which really supported their valuation when they went public. And so I'd moved back to Silicon Valley with my company to build all these other large partnerships. And in my executive team's mind, everything should just go the way Facebook went. Just Uh carbon copy. And based on who I am and my listening, I knew it wasn't carbon copy, but I kept running into the same what I'm seeing is not translating to this team. Mm-hmm. And um, I was on a walk one evening in New York when I was there for work and something just came to me leveraging my own playfulness about how I would frame this and how I would talk about this. Like I needed to change their minds. Um, and I really made it playful, kind of interactive. Like I'm going to kind of do it like this in the way that I presented it. It almost felt like illegal to do it like this, right? <laughs> I know, right? I'm trying to add other things. We can't have fun and accomplish our goal, right? Yeah. I tried to other things. I did it. It was the turning moment, and I knew that it was going to come off as wild. Yeah. Awesome. So we're and we we still have a few minutes, but I I want to ask you this question anyway because I think we'll probably have more dialogue for women that are listening and you know, they're at that pivotal point in their career. And they're thinking, what can I do today to advance my career or to prepare myself for the next level? What are two or three tangible things you would give them to doing that? They're tangible and their mindsets. So that's my caveat. Mm -hmm. Okay. One big shift is to override that instinct that it looks different. Therefore it's wrong. Mm. Like my way of thinking about something, my way of doing something when we're in a situation and you talked about being the only, Mm -hmm. um, there's a real normal response to think that difference is inherently wrong. Yeah. And I think one huge step is to flip that on its head 
and to start seeing that different way actually has value and will be the thing that sets you apart in your career. That's so, so Yeah. So that that's a huge shift. Um, and, and it can also close down opportunities, but kind of sticking with that shift will land you in a place where that strength is able to be used and benefited from across the board. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that takes a level of confidence, a level of, of risk-taking, some fear probably involved. If I do this, what if? Yeah. But if you really want to lead the way you want to lead, at some point, you're going to have to do that or continue to emulate something that we talked about at the very beginning that's not really you. And and that just doesn't go well for long periods of time if you're having to change who you are every day to show up at work. Yeah, yeah I can so give I you a, a personal example from my career. There's a very popular 360 tool called the Leadership Profile 360. Mm-hmm. I had it done, you know, when I was a leader in an organization several times. And one of the, th- and they, that tool tells you kind of where you rank in everybody who's ever taken this tool. And one of the metrics is courageous authenticity. And I scored in like the 99th percentile. And at the wow. time I was actually working with a coach and part of what we were doing was trying to tone that down. And I spent wow. a long time trying to tone that down. And only after I moved into this field, I actually went back and had a conversation with him and said, we spent so much time talking about how to tone this down because of kind of what was allowed in the place right. that I worked. And we should have been talking about that's just me. Where is yeah. home for a skill like this? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, it's the old paradox of, you know, kind of we're damned if we do, damned if we don't. We're either too nice so we can't be promoted or we're too intimidating or aggressive, so we can't be promoted. You know, so which which do you want us to be? Just let me be myself. Yeah. You know, assuming I have all the skills and abilities that are needed, let me lead what's not in the way that's natural to me. Yeah, and find yeah. a home that actually will really benefit from me having this right. way of being right. or point of view or strength. Yeah, absolutely. So, what well, other advice? advice? Yeah. Um, I think in general, I'm sure this will really speak to your audience. Um, leadership requires having more than one speed on your dial. Yeah. <laughs> you That's know, we're talking about your, your unique style, but then there's this way of like, most of the women listening to this are very multidimensional. We can't be yeah. turned up to 10 in every facet of our life all of the time. Um, and so knowing what your leadership looks like at different levels of intensity mm-hmm. or levels of investment is a really good view to build. That's great. I'm writing that one down because I, <laughs> I like that. I like that. I knowing where to, how did you say it? What speeds have different oh, yeah. speeds on dial, right? Yeah. I love, yeah. that. I love that. So tell me a little bit about the work that you do with Stanford, the touchy feely piece of that. Yeah. So there's an elective at Stanford Business School that's kind of named touchy-feely. It's actually called interpersonal dynamics. And it it leverages a um, model where there is an unstructured group that comes together and you learn about the uh, how to bridge differences through communication styles, namely the model of feedback. 
So how to both give feedback in a way that doesn't raise defenses and stay in curiosity and how to learn by asking really concrete questions that are very behavior-based. So when you do X, the impact on me is Y. Right. But really leveraging a stringent feedback process in order to understand um, differences and work within those differences. And and that's a whole nother podcast, how to give and receive feedback. I mean, it's, it's, that's something that's never gone out of style as long as I've been in the workforce, how to give, because so often we just don't. Right. Because we don't know how, or we're uncomfortable. We have that once a year evaluation and we fill in the blanks, but we don't really give feedback meets exceptions, does not meet our expectations, does not meet or exceed. We check the box and consider we've done our feedback for the year. And that's detrimental to the employee, actually, which in turn is detrimental to the organization because you're not allowing people to be heard um, and to be honest with people with feedback. But that's, that's, you know, it's been in the workforce for a long time. I think we're getting somewhat better because I believe our younger generation is teaching us more of that. They want, they want that feedback. They want to know how they're doing and, and they're forcing yeah. that issue. And I think that's a good thing. It's a good thing for the company. It's a good thing for the employees. So where can we find you, Alicia? I know you do coaching. You do so many things. And, and I want to say thank you for the women's work that you do. Uh, again, that's a passion of mine. And so I appreciate you and the work that you do. Where can we find you? You can find me at aliciajabar.com. And I sent you two links. One, I do a free curated monthly event that any woman can join around topics that are most pressing for applying your leadership in your work and life. And I have a three-month program that I run twice a year. The next cohort is in August. That looks into that unlearning piece I spoke to around social conditioning. And I'll put those links in the show notes. But the first one you spoke about, is that virtual? It is. Oh, awesome. So that one, uh, definitely make sure. I mean, I'll put them both out there, but I think that would be beneficial if people are listening to this and saying, you know, I want to learn more because we only got into just a tiny little bit of the knowledge that you have and the experience you have and the work that you're doing. So I think that's that's a great opportunity for, for women to hear more and and really continue to learn how can we be more effective when we get to the seat of power, yeah. when we get to the table where all the dis- power decisions are made, how can we be more effective? And we can learn that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not necessarily something that only a few have. We can actually be taught how to do that. And I think yeah. that's really what you're doing. So any last words of wisdom for our ladies that are listening or our men that are listening? I guess I'll leave with one last tip just around that topic of feedback. And this comes from, I do a lot of listening with senior leaders to help Mm -hmm. hone my perspective since I'm not in corporate anymore. Um, Consider how you ask for feedback. So we can wait for somebody to give us feedback and we can also solicit feedback. And the question of, do you have any feedback for me? is very different than determining upfront what you want your impact to be and then asking for specific feedback. So the difference is, do you have any feedback for me versus can you help me understand where I was able to communicate this vision really effectively? 
Oh, wow. So good concrete. Yeah. You can't just say yes or no. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when, when it's wide open like that, you might get feedback around an impact that's not actually important to you. Right. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Well, the study that you're doing is that the interviews that you're doing, is that something that's going to be available to people that follow you eventually, or are you doing it for the college? Yeah, no, I, um, I'm, it's an independent project that's just sparked my interest. Um, I'm planning to do about 50 interviews. I'm a little more than halfway through. If somebody has an inspiring woman who in senior ranks, whose leadership they admire, I welcome the suggestion and I'll be publishing it in some capacity that's to be determined. I actually do, and we can do this offline, but since we're finishing up, I have a friend who is the chief global officer, basically HR, for a company that has 15,000 employees, and she is an amazing woman. She will be speaking at our conference this year, and I'm I'm saving her name for the public for a little while later. We're revealing our keynote speakers as we go. She lives locally, and she would be a fascinating person I think because she really, I mean, she's got 15,000 employees. So yeah. she's got a huge shop and they're all over the country. Um, so there's that too. So she might bring a really good perspective. Um, and she's so willing. She loves to help women. She loves to grow and learn and, and share all the knowledge that she has as well. So it would be a good opportunity for women to keep helping other women. I would welcome the introduction. Great. All right. Well, thank you so very much. And one more time, thank you again for the work you're doing. It takes, uh, it always takes a village, but the more women that we are out there pulling women together and learning how to grow and helping each other grow and climb that ladder, whatever ladder that is for you, corporate ladder or entrepreneur ladder, it doesn't matter. There's always other women that we can learn from and, and have experience with. To, to keep being better at what we want to do. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me, Teresa. And thank you, listeners. Again, if you're a continuing listener, thank you, thank you. Please go in and do all those things as podcasters ask you to do. Rate, review, subscribe, all those fun things. And if you're a brand new listener, check out some of the other later episodes. I've been at this for three years now. And so there's quite a few episodes and great guests. Just scroll through and Take a listen to some of those. And I'll end today's podcast just like I always do with what my grandfather always told us when he was alive, and that was to take time to stop and smell the roses. So until we meet again, take care.